Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with celebrated jazz saxophonist Eric Person. We talked to him from his home base during another variant COVID rage in America on January 12, 2022. And we talked about how he's been coping with the world now, his new 2022 CD, Blue Vision, and so much more. In 1982, he moved to New York City from St. Louis, Missouri, and quickly hooked up with legendary drummer Chico Hamilton. That lasted for 15 years, and he went all over the U.S., Europe, Japan, and South America. He also spent a lot of time with Dave Holland and so many others. Dig this story. Hey, thank you for taking a minute out to me on jazz today. I appreciate it. Oh, no problem. My pleasure. Man, I love Blue Vision. Wonderful album. And, you know, as this whole COVID thing undulates, I think there hasn't been a moment during this time where people have appreciated and needed new music in their lives. So talk to me a little bit about, first and foremost, the timing of this coming out. Yeah. Um, well, I'm glad that you enjoyed the record. Um the time of the record is uh, is interesting because tracks, the initial tracks, were recorded in, in the summer of 2018. But I went back to school, got my bachelor's degree. COVID hit. It was I was like, ah, this doesn't feel like the right time to to release release it. So <laughs> let a couple of years in, into this roll by, and then I felt like it was it's the right time, you know. So what are you hoping the listener gets from this experience? I mean, I know how I felt when I listened to this, but overall, you know, what do you hope this project does for the listener? Um, you know, uh, I think for me, I would like the uh, listener to take away that, you know, the blues is an important element to the music, and it can always be transformed or, or interpreted uh, in, in, in different ways by different performers so that's what the, where the name kind of comes from is it's it's a visionary look at the blues you know and connecting um you know two different generation of musicians being you know houston and myself you know you're you're from st louis and you have roots yeah. there and it's interesting because you know i don't know how many people realize this but a lot of those early years at Kansas City when it was roaring, I mean, the blues was very per pervasive in the sound that was happening then. Mm -hmm. Oh, def most definitely. Yeah, well, I was going to just add that, um, you know, a lot of modern musicians, you know, in some kind of way have, or many modern musicians, jazz musicians, have kind of discarded the blues. I've never felt that, you know, that was part of the music that should have been left behind. And so, uh, you know, just looking back at some of my other records, I, I don't know that blues is emphasized as much as, as, as I like playing it. That was something I wanted to uh, bring out on this record. And, you know, working alongside Houston, you know, he's, he's always been about, hey, man, you know, let's do this record, but don't forget the blues, you know. So it was something he, he after hearing that uh, uh, quite a bit, I was just like, you know, what, well, he has a point there. You know, it's like, that's 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 the power element of the music, you know. That's the earthy, powerful element of the music that should never be left behind. Now, now everybody doesn't have to interpret the blues uh, the same way, but it, it shouldn't be left behind. So before we depart this whole COVID notion here, you know, we've gone back and forth with all of this, and now we're back in the thick of a variant. What have you learned about yourself during this time of self-reflection that's going to make you stronger as we hopefully move forward and things open up in 2022? I, I would say that I've, I've had to adapt, you know, um, when gigs were not there, um, 
I had to do other things, <laughs> you know, to uh, you know keep the bills paid, you know, and 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 you know I've been in New York, uh, you know, for you know close to forty years. This year it'd be my fortieth year, and I I looked back and I was like, you know, I've been mainly a, a musician all those years, and I've kind of rolled with the punches, you know, but um, this added another kind of quirk in everything where it was like I had to dig dig deep you know, to uh, just kind of keep things rolling along and just kind of keep in my, my creative uh, mindset, you know, because it's, it's easy for a musician to not have gigs and then fall into shutdown mode, like, oh, I don't have any gigs, so I'm not going to practice. I don't have any gigs, so I'm not going um, to work on tunes. I'm, I don't have any gigs, so, you know, let me just, you know, lay back. It's like, no, that's, that's, a, that's a time that you, you know, reassess and maybe look at some other things that you uh, or that he or she might not have uh, delved into. So I've done I've done some of that. I got some new I've got some more recordings actually that I'm um, starting to delve into for the next releases because with with this CD being delayed, there's other music that's been delayed. So you know. So let's go back to St. Louis. Let's go back to the early years of your life. Talk to me a little bit about how jazz really sank into your bones and how that became your life? Uh, you know, my father, you know, Thomas Person, he, he played saxophone and he taught me uh, when I was seven, one thing leading to the next. And then I was studying at different schools and, you know, music store teachers and all that. And uh, when, I, when I actually got out to the Normandy School District, which is out in St. Louis County, uh, in the grade school, the junior high and the high school, had all really strong music programs. You know, I was practicing at home and playing with the records and stuff. And so um, when it was like uh, I joined the jazz band in, in um, uh, seventh and eighth grade, I took my first solos then. And, and then when I got to high school, you know, uh, Bob Bogus, he was the teacher there, and he was really into jazz, and I joined the jazz bands. And um, it was just exciting. It was an exciting time for me, you know, because I was – I was I immersed myself in music like uh, most of my day. You know, actually most of my day was started like uh, six thirty in the morning. You know, doing the jazz jazz band um, uh, rehearsals or the marching band rehearsal. During school, I would have some you know band. You know, then you know away from school, I was in some funk bands, and I did duo with a guitar player and played at the Moose Lounge, and, you know, so I was just really kind of gearing up for something, and at at some point, you know, I, I think it might have been after I got a scholarship to play it, uh, or to um, uh, go to the Jamie, Janie Abersall jazz camp, that uh, it lit, lit me up where I was like, I want to go to New York, I think that's the next move for me, so... It was kind of like a whirlwind number of years that led up to me going to New York for sure. So you get to New York, and speaking of whirlwind, a year later, you hook up with Chico Hamilton. That had to be a huge leap for you. Chico, Chico was a, 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 a guy who found talent. You know, Eric Dolphy, you know, he started with him. Yeah, Chico was a, 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 a discoverer of talent. You know, Eric Dolphy started with him. Many others, Charles Lloyd. And so I felt honored to work with Chico, and it was a new new kind of situation, you know, for me. Uh, you know, probably the first 
really serious um, uh, musical band experience, you know, like going on the road and uh, then ultimately recording with him. I know I did a, uh, a nine-week European tour with him, you know, and so um, that was great. You know, it was, it was a good start for me, you know. And uh, I, I wanted to work with Chico off and on for about 15 years. Talk to me a little bit about the travel. You know, now that we've kind of been in this downturn, you know, you saw a lot of the world um, and recorded a lot of music. What has that mm-hmm. been like for you? What's, what's been the best part of traveling and being able to do what you love natively, which is music, to get to see the rest of the world? It's great to travel. <laughs> um, I haven't traveled that much the last few years, but actually I'm kind of working on uh, doing more uh, gigs around the country and hopefully Europe, you know. I actually have a, a, a situation where, where I live is a pretty vital uh, local scene and also the New York scene. So um, I keep pretty busy uh, for the most part. But uh, long tours as far as like, you know, like, Five and six week tours. Um, that actually hasn't been uh, my my reality for for quite a while. Um, but it would be nice for it to happen. Yeah, I actually like it when I can go out for like you know three or four days and uh, come back home, recharge, go out for another couple of days, recharge. Those five and six week tours, they can kind of <laughs> you know they can kind of wear on you. So Dave Holland was also a band that you were in for a while, and he's a very veteran, esteemed musician. What did you learn from Dave? Dave, you know, it was a great experience, you know, and actually after I worked with Chico and um, another guy I was working with um, after I first came to New York, Ronald Shannon Jackson, I had like a little period where I kind of wanted to reassess what I was doing. I worked with another guy, you know, going to Europe, uh, Kelvin Bell. He's actually from St. Louis. and um, and then it was actually, you know, working, I got the gig with, you know, Dave. And that's a funny story, actually, you know, but, um, or interesting story. You know, working with Dave is, you know, it's serious music. And one of the things that that, that gig had that was close to, you know, like Chico and Shannon's music for me was that whatever I did, I felt like I fit right in. You know, I didn't have to change anything or it wasn't, it didn't, it didn't not feel perfect for me. So that's, that was a, a great experience. You know, it just felt perfect, you know, like a perfect fitting glove or something, you know. And, you know, again, it was serious music. So uh, it challenged me, helped me grow. And, um, and that's one of the things I like from um, working with um, certain musicians, you know, when I, when I feel like I can contribute and it's a collaborative effort and I feel like I can grow, then I feel, I feel complete. So when you were growing up, when you were younger, what was the first live jazz show you saw that really blew you away? <laughs> the first one I saw was um, Count Basie. And it was, uh, my father took me, you know, to hear his, his orchestra and it was at the Kill Opera House. I still remember it to this day because uh, it was it was really powerful seeing that band and and uh, Jimmy Forrest, who was from St. Louis. He was he was playing in that band, and you know he was a great soloist. And I remember he did Body and Soul, and you know he took this long cadenza, and you know he he hit some high note that he cracked a high note or whatever. 
and uh, and like, people were like laughing and stuff. It was like a humorous thing, you know. And, but it was it was like the whole experience of seeing these guys, you know, and the power of the music, and they was just unified. I remember Butch Morris, the drummer, you know, he was fantastic. You know, when I used to go and see um, bands at that time, you know, I used to always go up and talk to the musicians, you know. And so I, I talked to Freddie Green, the guitar player. I, I, I remember asking him, hey, you know, um, why didn't you play any solos? And he said, uh, you know, that's not my role, you know. And uh, so I thought that was interesting. Uh, but uh, I might even talk to some other guys. But um, I used to go up and I remember I saw Woody Shaw and I met those guys uh, when, they, when they first came. And, um, and that was another uh, concert that blew me away, Woody Shaw. and. Uh, and uh, Ensemble of Chicago. Those I think those were like my first concerts, you know, Count Basie, Woody Shaw, Ensemble of Chicago. And they're all very, very different from each other. And, that, and I think that's, that's what has always came out in my music. I've always had a lot of different uh, influences, you know, listening, things I've listened to that I like. So, yeah, but that Count Basie, you know, Let's say tonight you have a dream. You run into your younger self around the time you were really getting going in New York and starting up, and you could give your younger self one piece of advice based on what you've learned throughout all these years. What would that be? You know, I would just say that uh, this is something I kind of think about often, you know. It's like when I came to New York, it was all so new to me. So it was like I, I came to New York. I actually didn't have a place to live, you know, when I came, and I... And, you know, my mother and father was very trusting of me. You know, I was 19. And, you know, actually I, I was supposed to stay with somebody, uh, a, a lady that I met the, the year before when I visited New York. And, and, uh, and, and you know, I, she would confirm, you know, you know that, yeah, you can stay with me, stay with me, you know. And then one day before I was going to leave, you know, I said, okay, I'm coming up, you know, tomorrow, like I said. And she was just like, oh, you can't stay here. I was like, what are, you, what are you talking about, you know? And, and so um, I was very trusting, you know. I, I think, you know, I, I still came to New York anyway, you know. I mean, I, I was very heartbroken by that. But um, I, I think, you know, just realizing that, that saying from that Billie Holiday tune, God bless the child that's got his own. And I, I, I really realized that was one of my lessons I had to learn. You know, you know it, whatever you do, you know, just try and make sure you secure your own housing. Like, you know, your own, you know, and whatever, it could be whatever, but, you know, you're, 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 it's yours. You know, you don't have to say, oh, I'm borrowing this from this guy. Oh, I'm staying with this person. Because, it, you know, more often than not, it, it, I would just wind up, disappointed you know for somebody that's traveled as much as you have and been on so many stages in your life when things do hopefully get better in this coming year and there's more live performances what do you hope we all realize about the power of live music that we've been away from largely for almost a year and a half now i mean i think i think people really need to realize that most musicians you know it's it's a calling for them if they're doing it as a profession you know uh, it's in some kind of way, it's a calling, you know, it's like they can't really do other things for, uh, for the most part, you know, uh, it, it's something that just burns inside of us. So, you know, if, if somebody, you know, wants, should, they, they should think about supporting the music, 
you know, uh, in whatever way they can. You know, it might be just buying a CD or, you know, buying a, instead of just streaming a musician's music, you know, buying a download or two, you know. Because we, actually, you know, uh, a lot of the tours that I used to do with my own band, I, I um, you know, paid the bills with the um, CD sales. So um, now that CDs aren't as popular, you know, people might not think that, I mean, that's that's a, a bit of revenue that we're missing, that's what I'm saying. So any kind of support, you know, if people can just understand that musicians are really pretty unique in what we do, you know, any uh, level of extra support is fine, great. So everyone has a perception or an idea of who they think you are, your family, your friends, your fans, but ultimately you live your life, you have a perception. Who do you think you are? Well, <laughs> I'm a survivor, you know, I'm a survivor, and um, the, the things I've gone through um, as a musician, as a father, you know, um, it's only it's, it's helped to make me stronger. And I've, I've actually learned that once I got on my own way, then life could be really pretty good. You know, so uh, that's that's actually been the thing I've been trying to do, just making sure I don't do anything <laughs> that's, uh, that I'm going to regret later, you know. It's just making sure I don't step on my own feet. So uh, I think that's actually one of the reasons I'm feeling so good about this record. Um, I went through a lot of adversity to get it to where it's at, and, and I'm, I'm feeling that the reception is going to be really good um, to it. Beautiful. Eric, thank you for taking a minute out for Neon Jazz. Good luck with the album and the return to the stage. Happy New Year. Okay, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest cats in New York City, St. Louis, Kansas City, and spots all over the world giving fans all that jazz. Thanks to Eric for his time, energy, and cool. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino in the iTunes Store. Visit Neon Jazz at YouTube.com and for everything Neon Jazz all the time, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Neon Jazz.